The Christian life is so much more than just what we hear from speakers on pulpits and platforms. It really involves our everyday lives. And so at our Fall Discipleship Conference, we put together six different workshops to help equip students with practical skills to walk more closely with God and better glorify Him. In this talk, Ifalola helps us to navigate the noisy and confusing waters of technology and social media in a God-honoring way. Welcome to FDC. Hello, if I don't know you, I'm Ifalola. That is the water fountain. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't really know if there's anything we can do. But that's a new noise, um, that's super fun. Oh, she stopped, thank you. And I'm on part-time staff of Christian Challenge at USC. And usually I know people open up by sharing about like their family, their background, we're not gonna do that. Instead, on the post-it note, I want you to write down what social media apps you think I'm on. And by that, I mean, which ones do I use every day or have on my phone, you cannot confirm. Um, but I would like you to guess. And so that could be from Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. Um, but just write down the one you think that I'm on. And for those of you who are like, I don't know you at all, um, for background, my day job, I work at YouTube in partner development and content strategy. I currently lead the USC Challenge social team. And then previously before that, I worked at BuzzFeed as a video social media strategist. So we're in the world of social. So if you write down your guesses, um, the no conferring, you cannot talk to anyone else. You get one guess, but you can write as many. So let's say you could put like Facebook and Snapchat. And that would be your guess. I may have a spare pen. Yes. Okay. 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 There is to the right hand side. Cool. Nice. Now that you guessed, we're actually going to begin. So we'll come back to that at the end. For some context on the industry, like in 2020, the United States tech industry made about $1.9 trillion, which is about, they would rank as the ninth largest country if it was its own country, just behind Brazil and ahead of Italy. Um, that's like no small <laughs> feat, and it's exponentially growing year after year. My voice is like going. I'm just like move closer. Oh, I think Victor placed his phone here, so we should be good to go. Um, my voice is. Huh? No, I think he pressed start. He's gonna have a real fun time editing this all together. <laughs> no, it's recording. Yeah, I'm gonna take one. Maybe kind of chewy. Mm, yummy. Make sure these may be chewy. <laughs> Warm and chewy. That's not right. Thank you. Hi. Um, I think we have. Here's a pencil. Here we go. I'll be sure to do it. 
going so we being this at the same time but bear with me so from a slightly different angle on october 1st of this year the facebook files dropped and the wall street journal came out with the scathing expose looking at five internal facebook documents which detailed how the company knows that it does deep harm to its users mental health especially teen girls this wasn't a good day to be working in pr at facebook i can tell you that much and the social media and tech world was pretty shook i know it affected a lot of things that we do at youtube through, though the PR swell at YouTube is, I mean, at Facebook is not new to them, this one was actually particularly damaging. And it kind of showcased something that people had never voiced publicly, which is that Facebook is acutely aware of the damage its product does to its users, but isn't interested in doing anything about it. So really you can see here that like revenue trumps personhood, um, and there's really no limit or boundary to how far is too far when it comes to getting the next consumer. So a lot of today's workshop, I will use tech companies like as the example, specifically social media, because that's what I know intimately. And also according to the Pew Research Center, about 84% of 18 to 29 year olds are on at least one social media platform. So like this many of you, at least. Um, and I think something that's also worth noting and like helpful to think about is learning how to adapt and contextualize information for personal relevance is a key life skill. So learning how to adapt and contextualize information for personal relevance. This isn't really supposed to be like a doomsday message or anything, more just an understanding that in this hyper-connected world, technology can quietly dictate to us who we are, who we should be, how we should act, what we should worship. Hello. It's okay. Run through. <laughs> yeah, Ian is in the back, Eric is upstairs. So, instead I wanted to challenge you to know what you're facing and not go in blind. There's really no need to be naive or feign ignorance in this particular area. And if we're not careful, the persistent, quiet influence of whatever's culturally relevant can become the unintentional norm. So to help us like, kind of break this down, we're going to look at this in three areas, which are your lane, understanding purpose, your lens, understanding perspective, and then your limits, understanding boundaries. So with this in mind, let's kind of have a look at our purpose and the guiding principle that shapes how we externalize that. You will go in the back. So currently, like, the day and age that we live in, you're able to set your own truth and operate out of that, like you are the center of your own universe. So at BuzzFeed, the mission statement, ironically, was truth and joy, which used to make me simultaneously laugh and cry, because it is an inherently biblical statement that they're using. Um, and it was even painted in this like large colorful mural on the side of our canteen. as a bold reminder of like what we do every day and why. Truth and joy, when removed from its home in scripture, it loses all of its meaning, and truth without rootedness doesn't have any value, it's merely opinion, which is really the antithesis of its definition. Truth comes from the old English root for faithfulness and constancy, and taking scripture to fit your desires rather than bringing yourself under scripture is really, it can be done really easily when you lose sight of biblical purpose. So instead, I want you to think about anchoring yourself to the truth that like God has for us, and the more accurate value statement for BuzzFeed would probably be culture and joy. Purpose is your why. Why do you do what you do? 
and what's the driving factor. True purpose is your why set forth by God. There's no need to guess or be confused either on the search for truth or purpose. It's described to us upon choosing to become followers of Christ. So can someone read the Romans 12, verse 1 through 2 that's on the sheet there? Oh, God. A living Thank you. So in light of what God has done for us through Jesus dying on the cross and um, and taking away the debt of sin, we have to live as this first dictates as a living sacrifice that is the true and proper worship. So that's our true purpose when we think about it. Worship is merely ascribing honor, reverence, adoration where it's due, not just the songs that we sing at the beginning of a session. Um, we are to live such that we are transformed not by the world, but by the renewing of our minds, that, and that requires us to know what God intended for us. If we are living sacrificially, what does that mean? It means we take everything we do and bring it up before the Lord. So as 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Ultimately, you really could spend your whole life looking for purpose and trying to fill the void that only God can fill. And you could spend, spend your days chasing after what culture defines as relevant in that moment in time. But that's exhausting and honestly leads nowhere. So your true purpose is to bestow real worship upon the Lord by living your life as an offering to him. Or as the kids would say, do it for not for the culture, but for the glory of God. When you own and understand your why as set forth by the Lord, you move towards Christ. You become more like Christ and you gain insight to God's good, perfect and pleasing will. It's pretty plain and simple. The message translation, which I don't always direct people to, but in this case, it's a really good job of summarizing this. In their version of like Romans 12, verses one through two, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the rest out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So I think that just does a really good job of like accurately summarizing what we're thinking about. And you may be wondering, like, do I recommend BuzzFeed as a place to work? So usually I kind of respond with some like wry laugh and then a more somber responsive. It depends who you are. BuzzFeed isn't for everyone. And if you're not confident in your identity in Christ, then, or you struggle with owning your true purpose, it's really not the place for you. If you're bombarded day in and out with like the truth, quote unquote, of culture and required to be dialed in constantly. So one can quickly forget like what your true purpose is of honoring Christ. So that's kind of like what our purpose is and the overarching mission statement. What does that mean in like real time? So why are we to be in the world but not of it? And that's a summation of two sets of verses, which are John 15, 19, and John 17, 14 through 16. So John, do you want to grab? Absolutely. John 15, 19, thank you. If you belong to the world, it would love you as itself. And as it is, you do not belong as it is, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why I will you. John 
Thank you. And then can someone get John 17, 14 through 16? I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am of it. John 17, Thank you. So it's really important to know where like our Christianese paraphrases come from, and this one is actually whether or not it's actually founded in scripture. So in this case, it's Jesus speaking directly to his disciples, so it doesn't really get much better than that for source material. Um, and I think here, yeah. mm-hmm. the same concepts are also reiterated by Paul, as we saw in Romans 12 to Ephesians 4, verses 23 to 24, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 1. So in short, this world is not our home, but it doesn't mean that we should hate it. We can still enjoy the world, God's creation, his people, the inventions. However, we must be wary and mindful of there is a dangerous darkness that we must avoid. The world's values are not the things that Jesus values. Our guiding principle is the worship of God and our living our lives to light in the dark. And as the saying goes, to be in the world, but not of it. So another question I also get asked is, why BuzzFeed? And that question is usually followed by like some kind of quizzical look um, afterwards when people learn that I was a health and humanity major in school and I also did my master's in public health, no communication or business classes. And what people don't usually know is that there was a very specific intention as to like why I accepted that job offer. Um, I wanted to learn about data-driven social media. Human behavior can be quantified, and the difference between health and social is simply like where you're driving people to. Whether or not you like BuzzFeed content is really a different uh, trade of thought, but you can't deny that BuzzFeed gets the internet. It's a unique company given that, for example, usually you post a video on Facebook to drive someone somewhere else at BuzzFeed, that is the final product. And um, you can learn a lot from that. So I learned to understand the platform, understand the algorithms, understand the audience for optimum content performance, and then generate the most potential revenue. And that was really the crux of my old role. All of this to say my why or my purpose was to learn a skill in the area that I had an interest in, similar to why like many of you go to college. And the true why or true purpose was to share Christ with those around me by living on mission and as a living sacrifice that I could glorify the Lord in what I was doing. So I was in the world by working at BuzzFeed, but I was not of it. The culture didn't become my truth. And you may be wondering how, and that's kind of where your lens comes in. So for the title of this workshop, I kind of listed two extremes, right? There's the hermit and there's the addict, and we're gonna look at the things that drive them in order to be able to understand why we shouldn't be either of those and become the balance. So for the hermit, the prevailing perspective or motivating force behind their behavior is the world is evil, therefore I hide. And the primary emotion here is fear. The hermit is afraid, scared, anxious that they'll lose themselves to the culture, so they hide. There's no issue with doing a social media fast or removing yourself from the internet. However, for most, that's not a really a viable long-term solution. Living as a caveman in the 21st century is pretty difficult to do. God willing, many of you will have jobs upon graduation and all of those nowadays require you to have some kind of like technological aptitude. It makes it harder for you to be relatable also if you're not a part of what's happening. So when I think about like who needs the good news of Jesus, is it Christians that you already know, know Christ, or is it those who are out there and haven't heard of him yet? And obviously that's like a great question. It's definitely the latter, but many of your peers are on social media or technology and being a part of the conversation and learning how to relate to where they are is instrumental in having openings to share the gospel. So for the hermit, 
there's a verse, key verse that I like to think about, which is Psalm 34. For I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So David wrote this at a pretty dicey time in his life. He had found out about sort of murderous intentions for him and he decided to flee. And he made several premature decisions and then penned this psalm, recognizing the situation and trying to give the glory back to the Lord. And I think the hermit can learn from this. So you could try and flee, you could try and escape from what's happening, but ultimately you need to go back to your true source, which is God. So for the addict, the prevailing perspective or motivating force here is the world is limitless, therefore I must indulge. And the primary emotion here is lust. Not the sexual kind, rather like the larger definition, which is to feel or have a strong desire for something. You're hooked on the high. The addict lacks self-control and is so absorbed by the world that they lose sight of what's important. You become whatever you stand around yourself with and it permeates within and becomes your social DNA. But you do have a choice regarding like what you input into your life. And for the addict, they're so consumed with the world at large that they're unable to be a light because they look no different than the people around them. And so the verse to the addict would be Philippians 4, verse 8, which states, Finally, brothers, whether, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, wherever it's commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So what you meditate on becomes your thoughts, your thoughts will turn into action, action into behavior, behavior into habits. As Paul writes this letter as an encouragement to the Philippians, he's reminding them all good comes from the Lord. For the addict, it's tempting to look to external sources to fill what only God can, can fill. So neither the hermit nor the addict is a good way of responding to technology. They're both flawed. Each centers on the idea that people are a commodity, forgetting that where their worth and identity reside. The hermit views people um, as an object to be ignored, and the addict views people as a product to be used for personal fulfillment. And the Bible invites us to have a different perspective, to view people in light of their personhood, their humanity, and that's kind of where we get the balance. Okay, one second. <laughs> Sorry. For those of you who weren't here before, my voice is struggling. <laughs> okay. So for the balance, the prevailing perspective is the world is not my home, but I can contribute. And the primary emotion is contentment. The balance isn't avoidant or overzealous but fulfilled and assured in Christ first that they might participate in the world around them. They have a healthy understanding of the temptations of the world and how to be how they can be led astray. But instead of worrying or giving, they direct their attention and adoration upwards. And the verse for the balance would be Galatians 2.20. It states, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I have lived by the faith by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So being grounding in knowing that Christ lives in you allows you to operate from a place of joy, and you know your true worth and identity is found in him. But it will take everything you have to guard that truth and make it your centering place. The theme from Galatians, throughout Galatians 2, is that you're being justified before God through the faith in Christ. While it may seem over the top to have that in the back of your mind as you're scrolling through Instagram, it's really not. It allows you to accurately view the app for what it is and not place your well-being on this particular platform. 
Knowing your assurances in Christ allows you to filter what you're consuming and tell yourself the truth of who he says you are rather than what the world says you are. And you're content in what the Lord has given you. We don't have enough time in this particular workshop, but Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, Paul lays out the marks of a Christian and it details the proper perspective and attributes one should possess towards others. I think it's a particularly useful way of thinking and how to rightly handle technology as it pertains to people, like the right attitude, the right mindset and whatnot. Um, and it's just food for thought and maybe something you can look at on your own time. So there is an exercise I do with discipleship team girls every year that we've come to know as filtering the world through the lens of scripture. So if you're on DT this year, you're kind of getting a sneak peek into next semester. And that exercise involves reading an article or an excerpt from a secular author. And two years ago, that was How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. And then last year, it was um, a book by Vivek Murthy, which looks at together the healing power of human connection in a sometimes lonely world. And with this reading, usually there are instructions that are accompanying saying, hi friends, as you're reading through, please think about and take notes on how you see these concepts playing out in your own life. The experiences and moments that come to mind while reading, the emotions that are stirred up by the reading and how you would respond to this with Christ at the center rather than what the world has to say. And that part is, that last part is really crucial of what I'm looking for folks to begin doing and know how to do is training the muscle of biblical perspective. And also to know that there's good and valid insight within what's being written and there's no need to throw it all away, but usually the solutions and conclusions drawn by the author typically lack death because they don't have the real answer, which is Jesus. So as I said prior, learning how to adapt and contextualize information for personal relevance is a key skill. My challenge to you as you're confronted with the plethora of stimuli is to don the filter of truth to question conclusions and repeatedly bring yourself back to the source of life, which is Christ. And at the bottom of the section, I've included some helpful questions to ask while you're reading. So maybe the next time you're in a GE or just reading the news, go through these and kind of begin to ask why. So my hope is that you would neither be scared nor indulgent, but centered. And now we're gonna look at boundaries as the intent of technology is to capitalize and monopolize our attention. So for our limits, I have made some assumptions here and I think they're worth pulling out. So assumption one is that you're spending time in scripture and assumption two is that you're using your life to pursue the Lord. And I say those because they're the background to having a, relation, a healthy relationship with technology. If we move into this like practical tips and tricks section, but you don't actually have like these two cornerstones, then nothing will change. It will be behavior changes rather than actual convictions that you have. Another disclaimer is that People are different and not everything works for everyone. But these guardrails or like boundaries are there to help you prohibit from swinging too far in either direction. And that these help you to stay the course and stay in your lane. So there are a couple of suggestions here. Um, let's see. Tiana, can you read the ones under Cultivate a Biblical Mindset? Yes, Cultivate a Biblical So some of you who went to Eric's work, one before he, I heard that he was talking about 
during your job search, writing out and like what you're looking for in a job and praying for that. So I actually did that when I was like doing my job search when I was when I graduated. And it's the same concept of knowing why you're doing what you're doing, especially in those moments where it gets really low. Finding a job is particularly difficult. It's a job in a bit itself. And so if you have something where it's written down that can remind you of like why you're doing what you're doing, it's incredibly helpful. So next one, which is to create space. Can someone read the points under there? Go for it, Jimmy. Um, And the thing that can be really helpful is doing like focal tasks too, which is giving your attention and energy to just one thing. Um, so let's say you're cooking dinner and you need a recipe and instead of using your phone, you print the recipe off and then you put your phone to the side and you just do this one activity. So it reminds you how to stay present and how to like not have your attention divided. Because I think one thing that technology does is it means that when you're actually in person with someone that you don't have the ability to be fully present. And so beginning to retrain your mind as to how to do that is really good with those types of activities. Another one is like, I like to hike and sometimes A, I like to go by myself and B, I like to not put my headphones in or like not have any other stimuli so that I can be focused on what's actually going on around me and to see like God's creation and just all of these observations that I wouldn't have seen had I been like listening or doing multiple things at once. And then for work, I try and like schedule in 30 minutes a day in the afternoon, either to be like off the laptop in some way. So whether that's going for a walk or doing my quiet time or like figuring out something else to do in that time so I'm not just staring at the screen always. Obviously I don't do it during a meeting or like anything like that, but it's at a time where I can be away from my screen and laptop and that's okay. I think creating dead zones is really important and just making sure you create space in your life so it's not that you're attached to this thing that's around you. Okay, and the last one, challenge or norm. Julia, do you want to read that one for us? Yeah. Challenge or norm. Use social media with intention. What can I learn? Who can I encourage? How can I be a light in this space? Give yourself grace for moments when you're all short. So what happens right now on most platforms is you create an echo chamber of people that you agree and have the same like thought pattern as you. And so every once in a while, it's helpful to see something from a different perspective or someone who is not the same as you. And maybe question as to like why it wells up within you, like why are you angry or like what is it that is going on there? And that reminder that the family of Christ is so diverse. Like you can look around and you're not similar. And so it's it's not a helpful tool to be only listening to people who are the same as you. Um, and something else here, so I we on the challenge social media team, like we have like a commitment contract. <laughs> Winfield is on the team. Um, and what I ask of them when they join the team is for them to have a right understanding of what we're doing and why we do what we do. And he could probably speak more to this, but usually if anything that you're doing gets in the way of like community or gets in the way of you being fully present of what's happening, then you're not doing it right. And also our goal is to be able to share like what's happening across the community so that other people could know and come and join. And I was speaking to a guy called James yesterday who I randomly ran into. And it turned out he found challenge through our Instagram. And so it's like those moments that remind me like why we do what we do. Um, this really isn't an exhaustive or all-inclusive list, but it's a good starting place. And hopefully it will begin to get you thinking about what you need in your life currently. So one other like last story and 
honestly, I think all of them are from BuzzFeed. It seems like that's the only thing that happened in my life at some point. But I had one coworker and he proudly like stormed into the office. He was very loud and just like to tell the entire room what was happening always. And he like proclaimed that he was deleting Twitter from his phone and like going on a social media fast. And my director at the time was like, you can't do that. Like that was her immediate response of, that's really all well and good, but you can't do that. It's literally your job to be on this platform. Um, and in those moments, it's like, okay, like then how do you even begin to detach from this thing that is happening all the time? For me, what I did instead was I had a work phone and I had my personal phone. And so for BuzzFeed, all of the apps I had to be on for work were on my work phone. So at the end of the day, I could turn it off, flip it over and be done with it. Um, and that helped me to create separation in space. And so it's just important to know that sometimes there are going to be moments where you can't get away from it, but how can you at least create boundaries for yourself so it's not overwhelming? Um, now, kind of like looking back on your post-it note, for those of you who are here, I want to hear your guesses as to where, which ones you think I'm on. And for context, if you weren't here, I asked people to guess which social media platforms do they think I'm on. Mm-hmm. Wait, like personally? Personally. Like just on my phone. Instagram? Okay. TikTok? Okay. Instagram? Huh? Is it okay to be yes No, I'm just saying, okay, I'm just listening. <laughs> At this point in time? LinkedIn. 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 I think that. None? Okay. We'll take one more guess. MySpace. MySpace, for sure. MySpace. MySpace. So actually, the only ones I have on my phone are Instagram and YouTube. I've never had a Twitter account. I don't have Snapchat. I don't have TikTok. Uh, I don't have my password for my Facebook account. And then for LinkedIn, the only way I can access it is like logging onto a computer. So that's how I create space is even though, and then some people also ask then, how was I any good at my job? Well, you don't have to be on the platform yourself in order to be able to know what to do. It's about data. It's not necessarily about actually physically being on it. Um, And for me, Instagram is something I actually enjoy. And then YouTube is sometimes what I watch is a bit of TV. So those two are helpful, but the others, I don't need any more distractions. And so that's kind of like the limit and boundary that I've set for myself. I think that's essentially all that I had to say on today's topic. So I'm happy to open it up for questions. Yes, come on. Yes, so you guys may have touched this like in the beginning when all of the you know, all the guys dropped up like, sorry. But like is there like I know a lot of recent stuff in the news, a lot of stuff has been coming out with like Facebook, Instagram about how they are like intentionally feeding, if I understood it correctly, like feeding stuff to people that's fairly provocative, mm-hmm. so they stay on and whatnot. So is that like is that true or uh, like not? It's like, not as black and white as that. Like, it- you don't have to do much for people to find it controversial these days. And so they actually, it's, they don't have to try. Like the algorithm is such that it will just promote whatever it thinks that you would want to see next. And like, that's what is going on there. One thing to consider though, we did talk about like Facebook right before you all got here is they are aware of like the damage that that does to someone though. And so I think people need to 
also understand that it's a product. Like they have an intention to sell you something. And so you need to be on your own guard and understand like what it's there for. Same with like TikTok, for instance. TikTok isn't supposed to be a social media app. It's actually supposed to be surveillance. But they're using your data to learn more about you. And so you just need to be aware of those things and what's happening. So are you like, is it like every time you click on a video, they then are going to recommend more based off of that, that you might enjoy. Um, TikTok, isn't, isn't TikTok more about how long you stay on a video, if I recall? Both. It's like multiple factors that go into it. I can only speak from like the YouTube perspective and I will give you the high level confidential version of what I'm allowed to say. But essentially the way that it works is like, it's not just like one algorithm, it's like multiple factors. So like, what do you like? What have you searched for in the past? How long do you watch those types of videos? Whose channels are you on? It's like all of these factors that go into like, okay, then I'm going to recommend this to you next, thinking that you'll stay on the platform for longer. So the goal is that you would stay on the platform, also that you'd be able to watch the ads, ads so they can drive more sales and then have more revenue and profit and so on and so forth. So the only thing that they're really doing that they're able to do is just recommend like the next, they yeah. have the data for the purpose of recommending something next. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. But if you think about like Instagram, for instance, what it's turned into is mostly like you think about like Instagram shopping, it's a huge part of the app now because the idea is that you would have someone's life and you would see it as a comparison, take that and be like, I want their life and how do I get it? <laughs> Buy those different products and then continue that cycle. Cool. Yes. How do you feel about consuming news via social media versus the conventional mediums and like how do you make that balance? Yeah. I think it's very dangerous. Um, I think you also have to understand that most media outlets in the US have a bias. And so it's, it's very difficult to get something that is not one side or the other. And I don't recommend like doing one side or the other. I do think you should be able to look at it and have just someone actually telling you the news versus like their opinion. Um, and I think the like news highlight reel on like the Apple phone, for instance, is like one of the on that and like that's its intent and purpose. Slow media is a good idea. Like it helps you to slow down and process what's happening. I still think it's important for you to understand like the news at large and what's happening. But I do think there's this thing called like all sides media. Yeah, yes. Where, yeah, exactly. Where it will tell you like the bias of a particular outlet and depending on whether it's opinion or news, like it will have different levels of bias. And then thinking about, okay, the same things where I was applying before, but like, what am I reading? What is the intent of this? Like how am I supposed to feel at the end of it? And what are the things that I'm supposed to be thinking through are really helpful. I'd say, Last year, like when the world was like on fire, my job at BuzzFeed was to work on like one of the black brands. And so they were constantly like having to like put stuff out there all the time. And so you're processing the very thing that's happening in the world. And it was this weird combination of what was going on. And it's okay to ask for space and it's okay to ask for time. And so I told my manager, it was like, I, we also had mental health days at BuzzFeed. I was like, I need to take one today because we are too involved in what's happening. and it's becoming overwhelming and I can't take what's going on. So it's okay to take a step back and then just think about like what it is that you're consuming. Wait, what were the tasks you do again if you don't mind? Um, my role was just, I had a, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but you were putting out the news about what was happening in the world and, but also experiencing it yourself and that dichotomy or like that place where you sit is very difficult. So myself of like processing what's happening in the world plus having to like, be in a media place was too much at that point. For all, once again, for all us guys who walked in late, <laughs> and you, if you, I, I, maybe you did explain this and I just missed it, but can you kind of go over 
Wait, I, I heard briefly your educational background, but about what your positioning now? at BuzzFeed and all that. That was like really interesting. And I, yeah. I missed some of it. I, like, I, caught, I caught that you worked at BuzzFeed, but like. Yes. So for context, I worked at BuzzFeed as a video social media strategist for three main brands. So BuzzFeed Video, BuzzFeed Unsolved Network, and Cocoa Butter. And any platform that you see videos from those three brands, we were on. So my responsibilities were to look at essentially 16 different accounts every day and all of the content that's going up on there and optimize it for best viewership. And then at YouTube, now I work for YouTube Health, which the like TLDR there is, I have a portfolio of about 20 partners and whatever their goals are with YouTube, I help them to try and accomplish that. So I think the World Health Organization or the United States, United States like Health Department, like I work with them and help them to understand like what the platform is for, medical misinformation and disinformation, like how to use it appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun time. <laughs> what do you think about not deleting people, but like silent? I, I think it's a good idea. Some people love to post, and maybe you're pushing a certain agenda. Yeah. Ideas like, we're going to take a break. But do they, I guess I'm not technology setting, do they know I'm taking They don't know that you did that. Um, no. And they Yeah, Aaron's reaching all of us. No. to think about it is like when you're in real life too if someone is like too much for you at that point in time you take a step back yeah. and then you're like okay I can re-enter into this so it's the same thing of if I know that like they're either going to take me to a bad place or like trigger something that I don't need in this point then I'm going to mute you yeah, that you. that's a bad place <laughs> yes it's okay to mute people okay okay no Do you see, uh, like, I'm just asking you again about like, stuff that was hot in the news. So, for example, um, I know there was this thing with, um, I guess, something with Joe Biden's son and uh, Hunter Biden had some scandal. Mm. And I guess that Twitter, the claim is that Twitter tried to, like, silence it or something. So, do you ever see that, you know, with that in mind, mm -hmm. do you ever see, like, certain stories being, like, do these outlets, these various social media platforms that, I guess maybe you would think that they're just like presenting what's there, but like, do you, do you see them having like an agenda or like a purpose in promoting this or squashing certain stuff? Um, not an agenda or purpose necessarily. I can't speak too much to like other platforms, obviously, but when I think about YouTube and especially like I work in YouTube health, right? So we think about this often. The way that our, our vertical is structured is such that we have medical and clinical expertise, like and they're the ones who drive and direct like, the strategy of what's going on. And then also we think a lot about like mental health, for instance, because at the end of the day, like, but yes, we can think about like the broad reach of the platform and all of these good things that you can do, but it also can do harm. So how do you offset and balance those things and know that with the good that you can do, there's also a bunch of like bad too. I don't think it's as like, like conspiracy theory, like, Ask of like all oh, these people are out to get me no i think what has happened in the case of like facebook for instance is they didn't know what they created and they had no intention of it becoming what it's become and so you've spiraled and it's gone down like this huge rabbit hole of what it is and you think about how 
a lot of these companies start acquiring different people, like YouTube is owned by Google, and like Facebook owns Instagram, and like this monopoly that they've created and just how power kind of drives people to do crazy things. It's more, to me, it's that vein. It's almost like they all set down a circle, like how we get- Yeah. We <laughs> just created something. Yeah. It ended up being almost like more powerful than they, in the way yeah. And I just don't think, I think about like when you see Mark Zuckerberg on the stand, for instance, and like he's testifying, right? And he just looks so scared <laughs> and just looks like, a deer in the headlights of, okay, at this point, maybe at the point in creation, you didn't know what you were doing, but you now have to take ownership of it, right? Of like what you've done is change the fabric of like how we function as humans. And you have to own that and know that your product has done both good and bad. I think it would be really helpful for you to watch the social network on YouTube. Oh, right? social dilemma. Yeah. It's really interesting. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. These are good things. Yes. Yeah, I think it's being bold about your faith to begin with, right? So like as soon as, no, maybe not like day one of like walking to the office, I'm Christian, like don't do that. That's not my recommendation. But what I will say is there are different opportunities that arise. So I had one coworker who would always ask on Wednesday, what did I have for dinner Tuesday evening? Very random, very specific, <laughs> right? But I would go to community group on Tuesday nights and whenever she would ask, it just so happened that we'd had family dinner. And so I could have said like, oh, I just ate steak for dinner. But instead I would say, I went to community group and we had dinner together and it would lead to a broader conversation as to what is that? Why do you do it? And just taking those moments that aren't inherently like gospel sharing moments, right? But it's, I can take it a little bit further and share with you about why I do what I do and like, here's my faith and like, why, what's happening. Another really good way is most people don't do their job. Like if you just do your job, people are like, oh, that's so interesting. Like you actually do the things that you were hired to do. Like, yes, it's <laughs> 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 <That's> amazing. <laughs> and if you, instead of doing the bare minimum, become like one, piece of advice that was given to me was like be indispensable in your role and it allows you to be able to share a lot more as to people respect you and have like a lot more like credibility around you and your character so that was another thing and then one other thing is i had some really good friends within the way that i started at buzzfeed was like as part of a cohort and within that cohort they knew that like i was like on part-time staff with challenge and like they knew that i was doing all of these other things on the side and i just if the situation allowed for it, I would invite them in. And like one of my coworkers came with me to like Sophie Moser, those concerts. And she came with me to like one of those concerts and met a whole bunch of other people. And just these things that we do in life that are normal, like <laughs> you're Christian, but you happen to like go to concerts. You're Christian, but you happen to do these other things too. And it doesn't have to be weird. So those moments were really helpful. There were times where it would run into like things that directly go against your faith, right? And then those moments of thinking through okay, in the Bible when it's like, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and whatnot, of I am still technically under the authority of the company that I work for, but my ultimate authority like is to Christ. And so I would deliberately like not put myself in situations where I would know I'd have to make pretty difficult decisions and be choosing between like having to do something at work versus like my faith. And so making sure that you're maneuvering yourself in such a way that like that isn't presented to you, but also recognizing, okay, I still have the authority of like my manager and I'll still do my job, but my ultimate authority is still Christ. 
to help me. That was hot. Are there any other things on people's minds? Okay, sorry, I literally like just deleted the accounts. I didn't know how to keep track of this stuff. So just, why? Like, I remember when I was kind of on, like, just like scrolling through stuff. I just literally felt like Christians kept getting shredded, like mm-hmm. on like so many platforms. Like, if if there was a Christian in any of like the titles, I know this is an exaggeration, but I felt like it was almost always negative, you know. And so, do you see that? Like, do you, um, do you see that or do you see it ever being warranted or do you see like Christians doing stuff to cause that? Or like, why do I feel like, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but like in the kind of tech social media sphere, like Christians are so underrepresented, maybe their voices or values or something. It's not that different from history though. You think about how historically like Christians have been persecuted or you see like the horrible things that have happened and like the things that have been ascribed to them. It's just a different medium that it's happening in now, right? And I think sometimes what happens is, again, as I was saying before, it's just this echo chamber of like, you just continue to see the same things over and over again. But if we was to stop at the mentality of, okay, like, this is all bad, so therefore I remove myself, then there is no, there's no change, there's no light that's actually happening in that space. So I think it's, but ultimately like media or like entertainment or even tech are really hard fields to be in from like a work perspective. So maybe you don't see as many people who are followers of Christ. And so it gives you a better opportunity to be able to present that and represent that. I, when I think about Instagram though, and like the different tropes and memes of like Christian girl autumn or like things like that, where that's oh, like warranted. <laughs> you're like, okay. <laughs> you're like, uh, I don't know. But then I also think about, hey, like the challenge Instagram, for instance, of like that is, and all it is supposed to do is to showcase like this is Christ through people and it does that and so you have those small spots of the internet that kind of alleviate some of the horribleness that's going on too yeah can I like jump in on that? yeah please do I don't know if this is what you're trying to get this is like my personal thing because I've thought about that like why isn't like platforms like this being used more to like I turn with God in like other way. But I think like when, when you like related back to what you were saying, where it's like they want like more people, they want more customers, they're like earning customers. Like you know, like more people watch. Like they're meant for entertainment. And I feel like it's really hard for Christian people to make that kind of thing that people are looking for. Like it's a to decide. And then it's also like you said you don't want to hear. And so it's like it ends up just being like covered up at the end. But there is really good like Christian people. You know, so like, there's there's these people there, but I still have to like not ask you. Yeah, that's cool. I always like a different experience so to speak. Like on Instagram, I followed like thirty of these like daily Bible quotes. like that, and then it led me to people who like have Instagram reels in which they're like telling a story from the Bible stuff, and then like the echo chamber, Instagram started showing me more of that stuff. So I'm like, yeah. nothing, like, nothing but a positive vibe from Instagram from that. I think it's like what you. I don't know, they, they definitely cater to what you look at. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Like, sneakers, God. <laughs> sneakers. <laughs> Richard, sneakers as an account, yes. <laughs> From day. Oh, Juliet, sorry. What's the video? Oh, I was just going to comment. Like, I also think that social media brings out, like, the most polarized version of each opinion. So when you have someone so far on one extreme of, like, of an opinion or thought process, like, it's usually not the most 
welcoming or fun to hear or even true. So because people get so divided and like their opinions are so strong, it's hard to connect. Also, the comment section is not a place to have a conversation. Yeah, it's not. Just, it's it's not, not gonna end well for anyone. Yeah. yeah. And he put Brad, like he said he yeah. on the TikTok, yeah. and he said he came from Australia. He said he had a home in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hey. And, yeah. and it's true. The more that you look at like other stuff, the more you get it, and the more you actually see that people are actually being seen through these videos. So it's actually a really good thing. She's like. What, where are you guys? You can find anything on social media. You can. You can find any niche you want. It's just a matter of like where you want to have. Yeah. I guess so. A question on that that is like, it makes a lot of sense how kind of connecting all the things we spoke about, like how the algorithms they have, they're not like inherent evil algorithms, mm -hmm. but they're just like recommending what you, um, like what are you watching? They're going to give you more of that, if I'm saying it correctly. And, you know, now we're kind of seeing, okay, even though that didn't have bad intentions, it seems to have kind of negative. Mm -hmm. Consequences. So, is there an alternative algorithm? Then, uh, like, what is there another way to do it? <laughs> I mean, the alternative algorithm is setting your own limits, right? So, it's saying, okay, I'm only going to spend 10 to 15 minutes on this today. And when my iPhone tells me, do would you like to go for longer? No, I do not want to go for longer. Um, and I think it's also that viewing it as an opportunity to be something different. Like, as people were saying, it's an extremely polarizing environment, right? Um, so instead of thinking about how am I going to combat this person and how am I going to like fight whatever it's they're saying, maybe it's like, can I listen to them and hear their side of like what's happening and be able to find some type of common ground versus finding some kind of difference. And like, that's what most people are trying to do at the moment, right? Is that you're in competition with them, but instead of saying, okay, how did you get to the point in which you are right now? Let me hear and understand your story. And maybe there's an opportunity for us to connect. And so I like to think of it from that perspective. Plus, as others have mentioned, it's a really good way of like, feeling still connected to like, my family at home or to people who aren't so close by and thinking of like the benefits from that side of, it's a form of connection, but it's not the ultimate connection, right? Like being physically in person, far from social, but it does have good in that respect. Mm -hmm. well, I think we did Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can also leave us a review. We meet in person every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. Get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.